minds in the game hosted by adam camilleri art of war down under hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to this episode 92 93 of the art of war down under podcast we're creeping up on 100 just creeping ever closer um my name is adam camilleri as i'm sure you guys are all aware and i've got a pretty auspicious coupling of guests on for this episode we are doing an episode on the eldari state of the super faction so we're going to be looking at um eldar from the top down giving them the kind of the medical physical check uh for how they're doing in the meta at the moment and how they how that faction is doing in the life of ninth edition now they've essentially had all of their um codexes released as in you know their major codexes unless they decide to bring out a supplement for Yunari or something like that or for twilight or dark or whatever um this is pretty much all the codexes that are going to be released anything that comes out now will just be supplementary stuff so it's a good time to look at the faction as a whole see where they're at what's going for them how they're holding up and what the story has been so far for that adventure i have brought on the one and only archon scari um master of the dark city hello mate how you doing i'm fantastic thanks for having me on adam I'm looking forward to talking, you know, Eldar have always been at the forefront of like the meta and in the terms of like, they've always just been on the, on the cusp of just crushing everybody all the time. Cause they just don't play by the rules. So it's really nice to they- kind of have a deep dive and, <laughs> and uh, break that down so that anybody who doesn't really want to even waste the brain power understanding Eldar can at least like sort of understand what's happening on the table. Dude, spot on. That's exactly the purpose of this episode. It's for people to people who either play the faction to jump in and get some beautiful insights for some faction specialists on the, the health of their super faction. What is kind of on the cusp of playability, what's good into the current meta and how things are sitting at the moment. But it's also good for people who may not play these factions, who don't have the time to deep dive through all the crazy stuff that all these factions can do at any one time, especially the two newest being Craft with Eldar, Asurani, and Harlequins. And so it's great to tune in, see what other people are going to be playing. Hey, maybe how you can you, you can tech into it and what you can do about these bad beasties. The other person I have here for your viewing and listening pleasure is Chris Wright, uh, winner of CanCon was 2020 or was it 2021? Also, and that would have been 2020 because 2021 was Uprising. Um, also, uh, a member of the Australian WTC team, usually a Craft World's diehard, but does trickle and fickle with every other faction he feels and sees fit. Chris, how you doing, mate? I'm doing great. Doing great. Excited to be here. My absolute pleasure to have you two on. You're another, it's another uh, couple of people who always like, man, I, what, what excuse can I have to get these two guys together? Mm-hmm. And uh, l- happily, I found one. Great talk- spoils. That's <laughs> the only way you get it. Well, at least Archon Scary. You only you promised me raid spoils. I did. Grizzly trophies shall be yours. <laughs> um, some housekeeping stuff, as always, at Nauseam. Uh, this is a two-part program. The first part, lovingly curated for you by myself and Seamus Ronan. I speak way too fast when I do this, but I will not slow down because I want to get through it. Um, and it comes out on Tuesday mornings, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully, you guys are well and truly used to that and you are enjoying it. Part two is available for anybody on the patrons or the subs- subscriber group, either if you sign up for our podcast and for the part two over on um, the Art of War Down Under over on Patreon. 
or on theartofwar40k.com. You can sign up for this podcast in addition to a bunch of other lovely, juicy stuff from The Art of War. Hope to see you there. It's a lovely, growing, amazing community. I really love all my supporters on my patrons. You guys are phenomenal. Um, and yeah, enough of that. Eldari in the meta so far. Their story so far. Who wants to pick up the call? Chris, I'll start off with you. Tell how did how did was the Eldari super faction going into ninth edition? Like where did they start? Oof, geez. Um, so that was a while ago. Uh, I think um, Harlequins started in a good spot. They were probably one of the stronger eighth edition codexes. Um, so they had uh, plenty of game. I think by that point, Craft Worlds were already um, drifting off a little bit. Um, they sort of had a, a, a slow but um, steady decline since their codex came out. And, you know, they're really powerful at that time. Uh, Drukari, I think, were a little bit weak too. Um, but maybe Skari can remember that better than me. Skari? Well, I think you're right. Harlequins came out strong. They had lots of cool tricks. Um, they were able to play missions. They were fast, but they only had like one build, and that sort of like allowed people to tech into them quite nicely. Hmm. Eldar coming into this edition were still paying for the sins of the past. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially having to make up for the fact that everyone hated Inari, and then Craftworld Eldar basically had to pay for the loathing hatred that oozed from the community at double shooting Dark Reapers and multiple activation warp spiders and jet bikes and mm. a variety of different things. Um, so they they sort of had way too many over-costed units, especially in the troop selection. And when this edition came around, it was all about actions and moving and, you know, doing a whole variety of different things. You know, they had some builds, but they were definitely, they weren't, like, good for, like, team play when you could build, like, a million Adelaide-site shooting things. But, like, they just didn't have good, like, the most efficient choices. Mm, that's absolutely right. I mean, I 100% agree. At the start of this edition, it really felt like the only... Comp the only strong build for the Eldari Super Faction was Mono Harlequins. It had a couple of units of Skyweavers, a bunch of boats, and some janky. Uh, what, what was the um, uh, what, what was the uh, mask form? It was the one that could get back into the boat. It was it had all the, sh the fusion soaring spite. Soaring spite. That's it. So the the fusion boats could advance up next to you, dump a bunch of fusion shots. Um, you had a one troop master with the um. The Twilight Fang, that could do a hell of a lot of damage. Sometimes it was solitary in addition. One Humbling Cruelty, Death Jester. That seemed to be the only like A or S tier build going for them at the time. Um, I, we did see Uprising the first year of Ninth Edition. There was some strong um, Dark Eldar presence there, but their whole modus operandi was just to have so much MSU that they would just get a bunch of points. They couldn't kill anything. They couldn't really toe-to-toe -to -toe with you on objectives. They would just get Rod, get Engage, and try not to give up too many points on grind. Essentially, was the was the was the way they'd play. They'd have a bunch of boats and just buzz around. Three a triple dizzy ravages was the the word. Like that was literally the build. And then um, people flexed into reapers as well. But yeah, you're right. They are, like Craftworld Eldar was literally nowhere for the first eighteen months of this um, edition, right? Essentially, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I know, Chris, you were playing them at that time, weren't you? What, what were you seeing there? Because um, I know you played them sporadically. I remember it was a, was a Vibro Cannon build you had for a while. Uh, so uh, the Vibro Cannon build and stuff, that was uh, a, bit, a bit earlier on in 8th edition. Um, when I was playing them early 9th, that was um, really because the pandemic was locking down big tournaments, um, travel, all that stuff. Just really having a bit of fun. 
Um, Fair enough. But there was still some things you could do with Shining Spears. You know, you could still give him re-up involved against shooting. The XR could get a two-up. Um, so that was a bit of jank there. You could still get your Reapers out of the Wave Serpent, shoot, get back in. Um, so even though some of these units were overcosted, there was still a bit of jank you could do. Mm. Yeah, the points cost was like in super inflated by a whole level of rules that they just didn't benefit from anymore, that being all the Yanari and Solburst stuff. And so they, they pumped off the rules to allocate for this whole, essentially a unit doing twice as much work as it should, and then they sucked all the rules out and left the points up there. So yeah. they were in a really bad spot. But then, then we got the Drakari book which still stands, as far as I can tell, unnerfed, could very well still be the strongest book we've seen of this edition. Um, I, I won't I, disagree I, with you, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> upon it, it's, its internal balance is phenomenal, as in so much of it was usable, um, so much of it is still very usable. Um, and external balance, like it was, we'd never seen anything this fast, this deadly. It was a whole new paradigm of everything, of efficiencies. Um, Scary, it is your wheelhouse. Tell us a story about this book, what iterations and nerfs has it gone through, and where's it kind of feeling at the moment? Uh, well, Drukhar, it's funny because you play a faction that's, you know, subpar for so long, and then it gets a book, and they power it up to like a thousand. Mm. And I felt like I could do no wrong. Like, I literally would like just put models on the, on the deployment line and just run forward and table my opponents. <laughs> so, so it's just... It was just a very different style than I had been used to playing, which is very cagey and trying to get as many points as I could. So at first it was mainly like Raider spam was a big thing. So just lots of transports, lots of Dark Lances, um, and like some witches and stuff like that inside of all the transports just filled with stuff. Then it uh, liquefire guns became a thing, and they were just like tabling people with crazy no-hitting two-damage flamers, which were a big thing with plus one to wound with Dark Technomancer. And then what happened was Games Workshop kept on trying to balance the Drukhari, um, but because of this internal balance, they would hit one thing down, and then like three other styles of list would crawl to the surface and mm -hmm. still be incredibly good. Mm -hmm. So you ended up having like the Chronos, the Cro like the um, the the Talos builds, then you know the Raxpan builds, and there's just so many different builds. And over and over, GW's trying to like figure something out now. Finally, after what, a year and a bit since the Codex came out, or yep. a year since the Codex came out, it's at a it's at a you know, it's at a healthy spot, still has some teeth, but isn't like silly. So it's nice to see, you know, the faction. Now I'm enjoying playing. Before I was just like pushing crayons up my nose. <laughs> I put like, you know, nine Talos and six Kronos, right, on the on the front line with a bunch of grotesques and go good luck like my opponent yeah. and i didn't even try and i was just winning so now it's it's it feels good to finally like have to try to play the game which is awesome mm. i prefer that much more uh and chris you played thick city to quite a few events what, what was your opinion of of the drakari book in its totality um yeah so i played lots of different drakari builds played it um yeah with the ridiculous liquefy spam and and all the way through um yeah, i agree with most of the statements there it was pretty obnoxious and it's had lots of different really strong iterations um yeah once it got down to about thick city i think at that point there was only at least one like really strong drakari build um and people were able to um check for that so that sort of made it not as ridiculous but it was still 
a bit overpowered. Um, but yeah, now now they're in about the right spot. Yeah, I love that you guys are I saying it's, it's it's about the right spot. I talked to I talked to some some of the the players that I moved in circles with, and they're they're kind of lamenting the position that Drakari's in at the moment, saying um, they're almost back to where they were pre Codex in that they're playing a heavy MSU build that is mostly prioritizing scoring over killing again, uh, because they're killing power into a lot of well, the super durable stuff, we're talking about like T-Sun's Death Guard, uh, Dark Angel, a lot of the armor of contempt things. Just It just isn't there at the moment. Like they're relying on characters and Incubi to do to kill like even just basic troop choices because they just can't heavy lift or they're not willing to use, you know, four to six grotesques to go and kill five intercessors. How would you guys feel about that statement? Well, I'll start there. Um, yeah, I guess in a way that's true. Like, But I don't mind using my characters to go and murder little units because mm-hmm. that means that I can win the game better. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So, so if my succubus is going around bullying small units of MSU Marines, or you know, I have to run my Gym Blade Archon into some aggressors or something, or some eradicators or whatever with, for the three damage, and uh, and then you know, and then I shoot the Sanguinary Guard or whatever it is I'm shooting at with Dark Lances and Blasters, um, then I'm okay with that. Like, I, mm. it's just, you just have to sort of shift your thought process. Like, and I still put in the big units of Hellions, and, you know, I still use Cult of Strife, and they still murder pretty much whatever they touch. It's just now the Marines are getting a save, instead of, like, almost not getting a save. But they still have to take, like, a million saves, right? Totally, Which totally fair. will usually just kill them. So shifting focus for a moment over to the Harlequins and Craftworld portions of our story. Uh, Chris, um, so there was a book. This book came out not too long ago, and it's had a hell of an impact. Do you want to tell us a little story about um, whichever, Harlequins or Craftworlds, pick your poison? Yeah, so um, as you say, this book came out, and it did have a hell of an impact. Um, so it's a huge book. There is so much in there. Um, you know, Craftworlds are obviously a full standalone faction. And Harlequins were, although a small faction, they were still like a, you know, standalone faction with, um, you know, a decent decent amount of options in their their last codex. So between the two of them, you've got this um, stacked book. Uh, but the the real big impact was obviously the Harlequins. Um, Void Weavers were not reasonable at ninety points. Um, Games Workshop did not learn their lesson from. Some of those orc buggies, the scrap jets, and the and the um, uh, yeah, yep, yeah. um, and they decided to go even worse than that, and <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, have this really obnoxious um, Harlequin build where, like, on a light table, they would just table you immediately. Uh, on a heavy table, they might take maybe another turn, you know, maybe it takes them to turn two to get to line of sight, but still moving 22 inches and shooting with the light Seder. So um, they're going to get you. You can't run, you can't hide. Um, and they've got some really powerful other, bil- other abilities. Like if you take that light Seder, you've got the ability to run away a bit from being charged. That um, that's, like, that's a huge deal. You've got all these ways to interact with opponent shooting, making it hard for them to get you. Um, so yeah, they were completely obnoxious when they came out, uh, games workshop took not just the nerf hammer, but the nerf, like, I don't know, sledgehammer, mallet, massive, massive hammer of some kind, maybe even a thunder hammer, mm-hmm. um, and whacked them up 40 points, uh, which, 
uh, initially I thought was um, a little bit harsh, but having played against it a bit, um, yeah, it's it's actually a bit more reasonable than I thought. They're still they're still fine. I wanted the um the non prism I wanted the non prismatic gun to be like ten points less. Like yeah, one, that- one one yeah one thirty one forty for the good gun. Um one one twenty one thirty for the crap gun is is how I wanted it. But like at yeah. first, at first it did, did seem pretty heavy handed. But at the same time, like you have to you have to. You know, 80% win rate, <laughs> yeah, or whatever it was at, is like, it's cancer, <laughs> yeah. okay? That's just that's mm. just not... Now it's down to like that 62-65%, at least statistically speaking, if you look at some of the, the numbers from like events over the weekend or whatever. Um, and that's kind of like Drukari pre-nerf. You know, so it's still like incredibly good. And it's interesting that they've shifted focus. Like, I mean, uh, for, the, for the longest time, Harlequins was a melee build that had some pinch-hitting shooting, you know, it was good for clearing screens or giving yourself an opening. So Harlequin Troop or Solitaires or Troop Masters could get into the juicy bits, or Skywavers for that uh, uh, for that matter. And now they seem to be much more of a shooting-based army. I mean, it feels much more fleshed out, but I think people have forgotten that uh, Harlequins can just shred you in combat. Like, 10 Harlequin Troop geared up with dark can just like absolutely annihilate people so I'm, I'm interested to see where the pivots go because i think there's so much more to be explored in that book rather than it was just a control c control v you know void weaver build um craft worlds is once again chris that is pretty much your wheelhouse um how are you feeling about that faction as it sits right now a lot of people are saying they're the next faction that needs a nerf them and um and um and Tyranids um, are a bit too much at the moment. I, I tend to think that there are some things with Craftworlds that could be toned down, but what's your feelings? Yeah, so Craftworlds are incredibly strong too. Um, they kind of fell under the shadow of Harlequins, uh, so I think there are definitely some things which are too strong. Um, the most obnoxious is uh, Aharoth and Phoenix Lords in general. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, I was actually amazed that they kept their personal obsec um, in the Same. FAQ. Uh, yeah, so um, all of them have this, but Baharoth is... He, he, I don't know if he's the most broken model in the game. Maybe he is. If he's not, he's up there. But he's definitely... He's definitely he's annoying. Definitely the, I'll say one thing is... Go for it. Uh, sorry, I, I'll say one thing is that, you know, they, they probably needed to clear out some of those old blister packs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they must have accidentally printed a thousand more than they meant to or something, and uh, um, yeah, they had to sell them. That's a good point. Um, yeah, so if he's not the the most broken model in in the game, he's definitely the dumbest. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's got his obsec. He's hard to kill with only being able to take three a phase, and then that strat to potentially get him back up. He teleports <laughs> after shooting or fighting. Um, so that's probably the the biggest defender that that needed a nerf. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of power in there. Um, Hawks in general being able to teleport after shooting is yeah that's really potent particularly with the buff they got to their their shooting from the last codex um they used to be strength three but now they're strength four and six is the hit auto wound um and then just the the damage in general is is really high um Mm. so um you'll see 90 percent of competitive craft world builds at the moment uh, a hail of doom masterful shots um so Hail of Doom is a shuriken one, so it makes you shuriken weapons. Sixes uh, to hit, automatically wound, and counter sixes. Um, so that's a huge buff to your output. Um, like if you're shooting against something toughness eight. I haven't actually done the maths on it, but I'm sure it would more than double the amount of wounds you're getting through. 
um, even against lower toughness things, it's a really big buff. And you can stack that with like guide to re-roll everything that isn't a six, fish for those sixes. Um, and that lets you shoot really hard. It kills anything. Um, you might think you're, uh, Grey Knight, Paladins, you know, sitting in cover, Armor of Contempt, mm. Armored Resilience. You might think they're hard to kill, but, but you know, the Craft Lords will still shoot through that in one turn without Doom or Jinx. Yep. yep. Um, that is 100% my impression, is that um, there's been an internal pivot. Uh, it was interesting that I thought when Nids came out that Ulthway would become the predominant... Um, the predominant build being that they had the save against mortals already built in and they were already best or equal best with hail of doom. I thought this would actually, the injection of Nids would put them above hail of doom, but it's actually been the opposite. Um, you just, uh, Nids put so much pressure on you and so many mortal wounds more than I thought is reasonable of that. The five up doesn't save you squat. <laughs> it doesn't save you at all. You actually just need to kill them before they kill you. Um, and by dint of being, you know, having non-interactive abilities, you know, the, the fire and fade, the, um, the auto battle focus, Strats, you could really just keep your two, two or three best things from being shot ever, um, and just keep picking up their stuff while hopefully not losing your best stuff. Um, and so that seems to be the way that the craft world has gone. But we should unpack that at least a little bit more because it, it, is it is it right, is it right to say, Scary, that craft world is kind of the best build at the moment for the Eldari super faction, or do you think Harlequins is as good? Um, I think Harlequins is just as good. It's just different. You know, the thing about Harlequins is they are very vulnerable to mortal wounds, and they have to get up close. Um, or don't really have a lot of like they have lots of units, but something like a like Tyranids definitely would give. I could see how Tyranids just give them give them a run mm. for their money. So into the current meta, I can see why Eldar would be considered like just Craft World Eldar would be considered to be like stronger than than Harlequins at the moment. But the Harlequins are still incredibly strong. Like I I just I feel like they, there was a pivot. People decided to move away from them. And and a lot of people might have gone more for the dark builds uh, than keeping to the light builds, and not and then losing a lot of that advance and shoot and whatnot. Then kind of helps into the tyranid builds if that mm -hmm. makes sense, because the tyranids want to get nice and close, and they'll just eat all your dark harlequins. So yeah, I feel like you know there's they still have a lot of tools in there for the for the meta. It's just I I don't think I think it's a combination of dark and or light, whereas Har Eldar is more like consistent. It's like, look, I've got a bunch of shuriken weapons, I have a bunch of buffs to my shuriken weapons, I roll lots of dice, and if you clump up, I'm going to Eldritch Storm you and do like 15 yes, more. Yes, correct. Um, Chris, how do you feel about that statement about Crawfords being where it's best at? Or do you think Harlequins is, is up there? And, and if Drakari is behind the pack, how far behind are they from the other two? Okay, we'll go with Drakari first. Um, I think they're, they're a bit behind uh, craft worlds and harlequins. I think um, we're talking sort of S tier for craft worlds. I'm going to put harlequins more more A. Drakari, I don't know, around the B or something. Um, so I think they are a bit behind the pack. Um, so I, I think harlequins uh, are still strong, but I think they're not quite there anymore. Um, so their troops are really potent data sheets. You get a lot for your point, um, mm -hmm. but they're not actually fast anymore. Um, so in the previous edition, you would use a strat to auto advance them six, you'd twilight yep. pathway, pathways them, and you could throw them off the table. They don't have any of that anymore. Um, so they're actually just like genuinely not fast. Um, your eight inch move, advance, uh, and charge, and then charge, that's like about the same as a random jump back move. 
uh, unit. Um, so they are really good data sheet, but they don't have that same threat range. And when they don't have that ridiculous shooting to go along with it, I don't think you've got um, an S tier army anymore. Yeah, I, th- I feel I feel like an S tier army either has to do one phase of the game better than anybody else, like so much better than everybody else, or be phenomenal at every phase. Is, is, you reckon that's a pretty pretty fair for a context thing? Yeah, it's a, a you know good rule of thumb statement. Yeah, um, Scary, how do you feel about what uh, Chris was just saying there? Do you disagree with anything? I think well, they're still <laughs> they're not fast in L by Eldar standards, but they're definitely still like Eldar, aka they have speed on mm. their side. Um, in in relation to you know, um, and they still have one of the best transports in the game. You know, like uh, then again, depends on whether or not you can use the webway gate or not in uh, the the, uh, the uh, event that you are playing yes. at, because that is the best transport. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, hands hands down. <laughs> in my I, opinion, I do agree with that. How do yeah. you- Sadly, we can't use it in some events because uh, you know they won't let us. How do you feel of okay? Adam's big statement of the game. Uh, actually, I've got a couple. I've got a tease. I, I am full of big statements for this one. Um, referring to uh, Star Weavers versus Venoms. My God, do Venoms feel bad <laughs> when compared to Star Weavers? Yep. Like the the G Dub was touting the powers of the Venom Cannon. Um, sorry, the Shuriken Cannon or whatever it is. The Shuriken Cannon versus the 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 Cannon of the Venom. It's just, it's just not a thing. It's just not a freaking comparison. There is no, there's no it's comparison. Ridiculous. I have taken a, I have taken a round of shooting from you know seven or eight of these little boats, and I tell you that it killed a heck of a lot more than eight venoms did. Yes, yeah. How many points is a venom? How many points is a is a star weaver? Uh, so with one cannon, a venom is seventy five <laughs> points. With two, it's eighty five. <laughs> Two cannons on this Harlequin boat with, you can't reroll uh-huh. hit rolls, minus one to hit, right? Two strength six, two damage guns um, is 95 points. And that's after the nerf. Yeah, it's just, it's just not a thing. Still it's incredible. It's absolutely phenomenal. Like, I, I've conceptualized lists that are literally just how many how many five-mans and how many... How many um, how many uh, dedicated transports can I bring? Because I'm like, in a 20 system for like WTC, I'm never getting 20 because I'm going to max engage, I'm going to max R&D, I'm going um, to max assassinate or whatever other, whatever kill secondary I take that isn't grind. Um, and it's just going to be a good time. Just going to have a great time. Uh, but regardless, we're getting a little bit off track there. Uh, jumping back to best and worst things going for him is our next topic. Um, Chris, best and worst things going for I'll, I'll flip the script a little bit. Drakari, best and worst things going for Drakari, and I'll make I'll make Ridvan do the ones for Asurani. Oh, well, the 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 worst thing for Asurani is so so easy. But um, anyway, I'll I'll have a go at Drakari. Um, so probably the worst thing is the new armor of contempt change that um yep. you know does make things uh, a lot harder for killing. Um, so racks uh, are a lot worse into Marines than they used to be, and this is. Partly because of the one um, reduction to the AP, but it's also because people are really focusing on bringing two up save Marines now. Um, huh? You know, you didn't used to see that many Terminators or, or Sanguinary Guard or whatever. Um, you know, makes grotesques worse and stuff. Yeah, as, as um, Skyri was saying, it's more about your characters and Incubi and stuff um, at the moment. Um, so that's probably the worst thing they have going for them. Um, the best thing is, is probably still uh, their phenomenal. Um, characters, so you get your um, Whip, Succubus, and uh, um, Trezar, who um, you know, I wasn't taking in sort of a previous meta, but in the current meta, I think he's um, an absolute beast. Um, so, yeah, some really efficient characters that they can make great use of. 
Mm. All right, and flipping it over to Skari. Best and worst things going for Asura, um, Aldari at the moment. Asurani, sorry. Well, I'll say one of the worst. Uh, one of the worst things is, in my opinion, is the change to Adalus Light shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, they do have like some really good Adalus Light shooting choices, night spinners, and you know, or D cannons a little bit less because they're still really strong. But like uh, shadow weavers and things like that. It was one of those builds that. I hated to see across the table from me, so I know it was good. <laughs> good indication. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and of course, um, some of the best stuff for Eldar. It's hard to look at the Craftworld Eldar book and pick out things that are that are like the best because it's all really good. They play the mission well. <laughs> they have decent troops. They have incredible character support. Their psychic trees are like nuts with the ability to make things objective-secured and lower leadership and targeted smites and, you know, increase the damage with Doom, which has always been a crazy mm. good save. Get rid of something like Armor Contempt with Jinx. You know, like, there's <laughs> like there's so many things that you can kind of do, um, uh, like Baharoth. Like, I don't, I don't have to go more than just say Baharoth and, like, 10 Swooping Hawks, and you'll just be annoyed at them the whole mm-hmm. game so that's pretty good um, i found it interesting you said troops because i was going to say uh for craftwood eldar their troops choices i feel like is the the weak spot of their build. i love rangers yeah. rangers are fantastic they're really, really good for huh? what you get you yes. sure <laughs> especially with the changes to bodyguard yes with the changes sure. to bodyguard there's no bodyguard yeah. anymore and the fact that you can doom a character and they hit on twos, mm-hmm. and you have access to um, fate dice to get like wound rolls to guarantee some mortal wounds with sniper rifles. There's some crazy stuff you can do with with their troops. They might not seem flashy, but a unit that can forward deploy, get you rod or retrieve Nackman data, or on sticky objectives missions, they're objective secured, so you can just stay stand on objectives and get them at the beginning. You can get angles with them. Um, they, if you do take Adalance Light shooting, they can help, you know, with Adalance Light weapons. They're just, and then, but the thing is, you can then hide them with battle focus. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do. And if your opponent wants to deal with them fine, they're not dealing with the Banshees and the, you know, the, the Swooping Hawks and Baharoth running around and like the jet bikes shuriken you to death. And there's just a whole, the whole variety of other threats and they're just going to, do little things mm. to win you the game. I will say I'm very happy Dire Avengers are not troops because that they would be pants on head. They would pants be on head ridiculous all yeah. the time. Like, yeah, <laughs> pants on head absurd because uh, Dire Avengers are so freaking strong. Uh, um, I've, I, I actually, we're going to come to a point where I'm going to have some big disagreements with Skari here. Oh, nice. Are we um, ready? Let's do it. So the first one is a little disagreement. I, I think Rangers are fine. Um, one unit, definitely. Second unit, if you want more than that. Is it's probably just to fill a battalion, um, but I, I wouldn't really want to. Um, so the big dis- one unit, as long as it's ten strong, okay. Just you like, could do it. You could I'm do it. Kidding. It would be okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just doubling down on this. Whole um, so the real disagreements, um, the real disagreement is with the out of line of sight shooting. Um, I actually think that's like the biggest buff that Eldar could possibly have gotten because Eldar hated line of sight shooting. Playing against yeah, it, yeah, the sure. swooping hawks, um, like. They just, the fact that there's not um, airburst bam running around everywhere or all this other stuff, um, that's just like a dream come true for them. Um, I think Eldar's out of line of sight shooting was 
it was good. It was worth taking. I didn't take it in every list. Um, yeah, I think I think that was actually just like put put Eldar up a full half tier or something like that. No. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think I, I agree with the the buff. Um, the the thing I was going to say for the biggest weakness for Eldar is just how atrocious Wraith Knights are. Um, if, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if, if you want to take some big board presence army, there's nothing really to focus that around. Um, yeah, they. It's it's kind of unbelievable how bad Games Workshop made Wraith Knights when you've got like storm surges in a previous codec, mm-hmm. and then we've got knights coming out that look incredibly strong, and right in the middle there's just like this absolute piece of garbage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, because for the for the points cost, you get almost is it almost four wraith lords um yeah the cost dep- of yeah. depending on what you put equipment you put on them yeah you can get four wraith yeah. lords i would rather two wraith lords than one wraith knight yeah like potentially let alone four that i could theoretically get if i you know i have to do wraith seers or whatever because i can't have the rule of three but yeah they're that bad they're so bad i would rather two dreadnoughts than one knight essentially like in air quotes that's the equivalency um it's it's actually quite ridiculous. Um, jumping down to we didn't do Harlequins. Um, which one of you wants to jump in and tell me the best and worst things for Harlequins at the moment? Well, I'll jump in with some of the best stuff for Harlequins. Is the amount of killy characters they have that just like just kill things. I love little killy mm-hmm. characters. I think their speed, their multiple small units, and the threat range that those characters have, especially with some of the buffs, you know, like a Blitzing Solitaire yep. or the Troop Master that gets like plus six inches to charges or whatever, like. There is, there's very little that can hide against them. And I love the fact that they no longer have a lot of strats that are, other than the ones that are uh, to the Dark Light or Twilight, a lot of the key strats they had, like jumping back into transport and things like that, are just Harlequin-based yeah. now, not not just not specific Harlequin-based. Mm, that's very true. Um, Chris, do you want to do the worst things for Harlequins at the moment? Yeah, just they, they don't do a lot of different things, um, so they do some things well. As Gary mentioned, the shenanigans and some fast characters and stuff um but like there's there's not a lot of flexibility um you you pick your army it kind of has its options but um some other factions are going to have ways to counter that and if they do i think it's a little bit tough to mitigate that Mm, that's fair i think um they're an army that's hard to dig up when they're down but if they're, if they're up, they can stay up pretty well, like on the scoreboard, in in the tempo and the momentum. Um, but yeah, they're they're one that like if you if you get on top of them, they do kind of struggle. Uh, with do, they do, they actually struggle now? I think they struggle with some of the bus stop builds. Like I think about them versus like thirty Scarabble Gold Terminators. I'm like, uh, what do you do? Like, there's no unit you can put in there. Even ten Dark, um, Say Death, uh, Harlequin Troop will go in. And I don't know, one of you guys can probably tell me they're over under, but I feel like it doesn't come close to killing that unit. I, th- I think it would. Um, so you've got your mortal wounds on the charge strat. Yep. You've got your um, mortal wounds on sixes to wound strat, and you've got your plus one damage. Um, I think between all that, I think they would get through the scarabs. Um, yeah, I think some other factions might be a bit tougher. So if you looked at Grey Knight Paladins, um, Yep. So they've got the feel no pain against mortal wounds and they've got armored resilience, which is going to work all the time, not just against the damage one. Um, that would be more of a problem for them. That's a big, that's a good call. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't factor in the fact they can probably do like 12 mortals on the charge, right? Between the charge and the, the kisses and the caresses and all the, all the strats, the embraces, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 12 mortal yep. wounds, killing four 
like scarab calls before you even start swinging. That's kind of a thing. Uh, all right, so jumping down to all right, crack the crack the knuckles, crack the neck, boys. It's Torquinari. Um, <laughs> I didn't even review them when I reviewed the Asirani book. First and foremost, because it was a huge freaking book. And me and Nick were both like exhausted after having reviewed, like, because we recorded them back to back. We'd recorded for like seven hours. Um, so we were like, you know, I, uh, never heard of him, whatever. Uh, because they just, they plain, they looked awful. They looked absolutely awful. And my opinion hasn't changed a lot yet. I hear whispers that there's some builds there. And while I do love the idea of taking a battalion and not having to take Rangers, Guardians, Harle- like, you know, witches, whatever, being able to take. Harlequin troop as your troops and then fill out with, you know, pick, pick your poison of the faction, like, you know, your Banshees, your Scorpions and things like that. Um, I haven't yet seen anybody show me a list that I think is worth the squeeze, like is worth what you lose. But you guys tell me there's something there. So who wants to jump in? Tell me a story. What's going on? I'll give Scurry a go first because I've got lots to say. Well, the Anari itself, I will admit, I haven't, I have been curious about the Anari, so I have dabbled in reading their rules but i haven't sat down and really digested all the crazy combinations you can do with the inari i love being able to put in you know dark eldar stuff drukari units and eldar units i let you know i'm glad that they clarified you know some of the rules for inari in the faq fight last right the, the, the thing is their their attribute which is fight first sorry um and then plus one to hit if they're under uh, below starting strength. Like, that's okay. That's kind of like a combination of, like, Cult of Strife and, like, I don't know, Power from Pain in a way, right? That's, like, more... you It's accessible when you start taking damage. Um, and then, like, they do have some of the... Their characters got a big glow-up. Like, I really like what they did with Rain and the Vizark and... Um, and the uh, the big demon Yukon. thingy. You can't yeah. actually a ball. Like there you we go. were we were toying in, yeah. in the like, Art of Warhouse, we were toying around with a, a list that had the Avatar of Kane and the Yinkan in it. And it actually was pretty wild. But other than that, you know, it's if I feel like I would just be playing Drukari with that like because I'd be wanting to do it with more Drukari mm-hmm. units. You know, the Revenant discipline's okay, they've got some cool units. you can like pick a unit, give it a four up involve. Like there's there's some cool combos in there, but I feel it is very combo centric. So someone who goes into it will have some really neat tools at their disposal. However, when you have a list that is designed around so many combinations of things or a specific set of combinations, it, it can go wrong a lot faster yeah. than if you just build a more robust list with less moving parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it would be harder to play, even though some specific things would kind of get cranked up to 11. Yep, that's pretty much how I see as well. You can make a much more, you can make a very clean, feeling good detachment. Like your detachment will feel good. You feel like you're taking nothing but gassed up units that have good data sheets. But then the application of them on the table, all of a sudden you find out none of them are as good as they could be. Uh, in other in other detachments, or it takes a lot more to get the most out yeah. of them. Chris, you start off your deluge. Yeah, I'll start by saying Scurry really kind of nailed it with you can have a lot of moving parts, which you kind of need all of them to work, and um, that can that can be an issue. Um, so, um, but then we'll, we'll go back to a few years ago with Inari. So when they first came out, they were broken um, mm-hmm. because they kept all the rules from whichever book they were from, and they just got ridiculous rules in addition. Uh, then when they nerfed Inari massively um, a few years ago, 
they were quite bad because you essentially lost all the rules from your book. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got some new ones. They weren't great. Um, now with the current Inari version, you actually keep most of the rules from the Craftworld Holocons book. You lose a little bit and you gain a medium amount. Um, so, so they're in a much more interesting spot than they used to be. Um, so the rules that you lose, um, the biggest things are like access to, uh, guide and doom. Um, so you can't take the strands of fate discipline. I think it's fate discipline, um, on your fallacies. That's, um, the biggest thing that you lose. Um, and you also lose Phoenix Lords. That's a big deal. And you yep. lose access to your, uh, like better craft world traits. Like you can't take Hail of Doom or whatever. Um, but what you get is, uh, a good craft world trait. Well, sorry, an okay craft world trait, as, um, Scar was, was mentioning. You get some special characters, which can be kind of cool. Um, and you get, uh, a very strong psychic discipline. Um, I'll get more into that in a second. Um, and you get access to, uh, all the different books. So the way that works is for each, um, craft world unit you have in a, um, a four sword slot, you can have one yep. of the other ones too. So for each Harlot, uh, Eldari troop, oh, sorry, for each craft world troop, you can have a Harlot troop or whatever there. Um, so the first thing, special characters, um, Yvrain's decent, the Vizark's decent, uh, they're both fine. The Incarn is super cool. He's like yep. one of the coolest yep. models in the game. He, oh, he yes. looks cool. He has cool rules. Um, so I think if you're playing him, you'll find that against weak opponents, he is absurd. Um, so he, will kill something of yours in your turn. You can teleport him up, move up, murder something, and then, um, they'll have probably left you a unit to kill in a different spot of the battlefield where you send a different unit in, kill them, and then teleport the Incarn to safety at the end of your turn. Yeah. And then rinse and repeat. Um, against top level players, it will sometimes work out. Sometimes it won't. They'll be trying to stop you from, from making the best use of him. So he's still okay. You can still bring him. Um, but he's not that ridiculous monster that he will be in lower level games. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on the Incarn? I, I love the Incarn. I think it's just killy. I love that they gave it a shooting attack. I'm sad that it's now targetable, mm. right? Yep. I think that's like my biggest gripe is I wish it would still just be nine wounds, you know, and I could hide it. And uh, but other than that, you know, it's it's a cool looking model and it's very killer. I I adore this model. I think it's the most ex- it's been the most exciting model in the game for a very long time. I think maybe Baharos may be taking that podium now. Um, for, from the from the wielder, the pilot's point of view, it's one of the most exciting tools you could ever have in your army because it just is it. It's a, a huge swathe of opportunity every single turn. There is opportunity for that model to just do amazing stuff, and you can't say that about very few others. Um, so yeah, I just think it's awesome. And if you want to play it, uh, all the power to you. you. You might it will take you a long time to get good at using it, like when you can use it and you do the whole whack a mole thing without just dying next turn. But when you do, you will feel like a big brain, I have cracked the game kind of player. It's also a great psychological tool as an yep. Eldar player, because your opponent's always like guessing where you're going to go, where mm. you're going to put it, you know, or and and they have to just think more about the Incarn and where it could potentially show up uh, if they kill a unit, you know, that sort mm. of thing. And um, And having that extra layer of worry you know, can like 
can shape how someone plays. Oh, for the game. sure. Yeah. Anytime you got it, you have to. You can put weight, mental weight, upon your opponent. It's a good time. Uh, Chris, feel free to continue with your whimsical tirade. Yeah. So the, ne- <laughs> the next thing is their um, really good psychic discipline. Um, so they have uh, access to a couple of spells that really buff the units melee. So there's one which is mm-hmm. plus one to wounded melee, and there's one which is sixes to hit automatically wound. Um, so those were obviously great. Um, if you want uh, to buff up these units from the other codexes, like Harlequin troops or yep. uh, Hellions or something, um, they start to hit really hard with these buffs. Mm. Um, the awkward thing is the main combat unit for the Crawfields are Howling Banshees, and they already get plus one to wound and um, yeah. doesn't stack. That's that's actually like a big deal. Um, one of the main reasons, um, well, not one of the main reasons, but one of the reasons that this is a bit less exciting. Um, they also have the psychic power Storm of Whispers, which is um, incredibly strong. So it's every unit within, so every enemy unit within nine inches of the psycho, um, you roll three d six, and every four up is mortal wound. So it's like um, Gaze of Hate. Is that the um, chaos the one. Sounds one. Yeah. yeah, or or like crushing or two is very Yeah, similar. it's like that for every enemy unit within nine. Um, so what I was doing, um, so I played some, you know, what I was doing is I was having a, a warlock skyrunner unit of three models, and I would chuck them up, um, cast that power, and either a smite or a um, protect jinx. And then um, with another Warlock Skyrunner unit, I would quicken them back. Um, oh, okay. And because you've got three bikes, you can actually get a pretty big web of um, within nine inches, right? Your, your footprint's actually quite huge. Uh, it's just from the one who's casting it. Oh, of course. Um, Good. Nine, nine <laughs> I'm inches, very yeah. happy to hear. Yeah, nine inches is still a really big bubble. Mm. Um, though, and the nice... I do love that you don't need line of sight for yes. it too. It's just like a giant mortal. Yeah, yep, none of that. And um, one of the great things about the three-man bike unit is, yeah, the one up the front is where the bubble's coming from. You string them back, and then it's a bit easier for the quicken unit to, to have range to, mm. to cast that back. Um, so that that was really powerful. That was actually one of the biggest draws to Yanari. Um, so one of the downsides is that is you've got you know like things like Grey Knights, T-Suns, Tyranids being some of the stronger armies in the meta, and they just deny your power. And yep. sort of if you build your army around that, that's a little bit sad. Um, but it is a really cool trick to have. It would feel so good versus Tau. Like doing that three turns of a game versus Tau, you, you just start eating crisis units and you just feel so crazy about it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the idea. I think it's actually awesome. We're going to have to move on to our um, our last bit of segment where we talk about the most competitive archetypes for each of the sub-factions um, within this super-faction. And we're going to start off with Craftworlds because it's one I think we're going to spend the most time on. Um, and I do think there's starting to be one uh, predominant archetype that is coalescing. Uh, Sky, you want to tell us about that? What do you think is the best competitive archetype right now? Well, if you uh, take a look at what Nick Nonavati exactly right. took to uh, the Dallas <laughs> Open this weekend, um, you'll have a good uh, you'll have a good idea. Um, give or take a Webway Gate, but um, it does seem like the um, the Shuriken uh, style build with bikes and a conclave and a couple of farseers and the Bataroth and some swooping hawks, essentially small units that do mission stuff. 
uh, lots of shooting, just like volume of like you know shuriken mm-hmm. style shooting, supported by mortal wounds and 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 uh, psychic power support, uh, combined with the incredible yeah. speed that you can get out of a of an Eldar army, which comes together to be an army that can you know redeploy, move aside, like go into reserve, take objective, sacrifice units. It's just a well or rounded list, and it's very hard to. Unless you can get very aggressive into it and kill key units early, it, it can be a nice. I totally agree. And just to break it down a little bit deeper for people who you know, haven't seen Nick's list, I just won the, the Dallas Open. It's uh, They're usually a patrol and a vanguard or a patrol and an outrider, right? Is that correct? Yep. I do yep. not know uh, the specifics, but uh, all I know is that there was Eldar <laughs> There's stuff usually two to three Farseers, one unit of Rangers. Um, the, the minimum requirements, I feel like, to make this Hail of Doom Ignores Cover build work is... Um, it's of course it's Bah Baharoth is in every Crafters list. If it's a competitive list, it has Baharoth and it has ten swooping hawks with probably the plume to give them the five up feel no pain, so you can take them as a to the last with some reliability. Um and then it's to my mind, it's minimum of a couple of units of, of ten Dire Avengers. Ten uh, uh, two units of ten is plenty, or a ten and two fives is plenty. Um and then I really like two to three units of wind riders. I think um, whatever size you have, uh, five to nine, maybe one nine, a couple of fives, or all nines if you want to go crazy. Um, and that to me feels like the core of that build. And then you can go if you want some wraith lords, you can go wraith lords. If you want striking scorpions and banshees, sprinkle the taste. Um, Chris, does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think at least the first unit of banshees is not an optional unit. Negotiable. Um, yeah. Yeah, the piercing strikes banshees are not remotely reasonable. Um, but, but yeah, everything else, um, sounded about right. Yep. All right. Uh, so that seems to be what's coalescing as the best build that we can see so far. Um, and it is hundred percent. Do you guys feel like, I mean, uh, is there any argument between Ulthway being as good as Halo Doom and Ignore's cover anymore? Or is it just, that is the build? I think that's, I, uh, I think that's, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I think Go ahead. that's just the build. Um, if you, mm. before armor of contempt, it was a little more interesting, but if you want to kill these really tough Marines with the, um, AP reduction, Hail of Doom is just like it's just the way to go. That's um, just necessary. Yeah. You you could if you really wanted to feel no pain against mortal wounds, you can pick that as your second craft or trait. Um, but masterful shots for ignore the light cover um, is is the other layer that really helps you get through the scarab cults and paladins. Agree. It's just like a uh, plus one rend and and then all the all the benefits of of it because I mean our tables are so dense. Anything that you think is worth killing most likely has cover. Like, legitimately, like, 90-80% of the time, it's just going to be the case. Scary, anything to add? Not really. I think there is a thing to say about uh, an Uthwe build or so. It's just going to be a different build. Like, I think it can still be effective, and I think the Eldar Codex has a lot of, like, internal balance yep. in the sense that you can mix and match things and take, I don't know, 20 Wraith Blades or 30 Wraith Blades, and you could build, like, a crazy, you know, Will of Azurian Wraith Blade list. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that that high volume of shots, rolling lots of dice, lots of redundancy, tends to be good in a math game, which is you know what what forty k boils down to a lot of the times at a competitive level. Spot on. Um, and all right, jump hand passing still with Skari. Um, kick us off for the best competitive Drakari build at the moment. Oh boy. Um, well, it depends what you're trying to do with it. I feel like Drukhari are in a place where if you're doing a singles build, it is very different than doing a like a team build. So in a team build, you can avoid some of the bad matchups, like Tau, which just tend to be terrible for Drukhari. Um, but uh, 
the list that I took recently, I wrote an article on Goonhammer. I posted the list up on there. It's uh, it's a triple patrol list with Strife, Prophets of Flesh, Cabal, the Black Heart, uh, with a Killy Archon, a Trueborn unit, uh, then a lot of racks with some Hemoxites, a couple of units of Helions, um, a couple of Raiders, lots of Incubi, some Mandrakes for some like forward support, and then Killy Succubus of Death. And all in all, it was a phenomenally balanced and fun list to play that wins the missions, uh, plays secondaries very yep. well, like to the last and things like that, and also um, uh, kills things. Like has even through armor contempt, and I've tested it a few times, has the tools to get through some of these tougher units. Um, as well. Are there any fringe builds for Drakari that you think might be on the way up? I know you mentioned off screen. You mentioned a um, a build build your own um, cult. Oh, that was a fun. I was literally I've been competitive like playing and testing this list competitively for three months went to a team event we, you know did okay the team event came in second with the team and uh as a decompression i decided to build a silly list but i was doing it with uh soulbound and um dark mirth which dark mirth was surprisingly useful it was like doing little mortal wounds to everything within 12 inches every time they moved wow. charged yep. so i killed a lot of space marines on one wound like you know, that charged in or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, he dies. You know, that's four more attacks I don't have to worry about, which was fantastic. And uh, the five, I feel no pain against mortals, which didn't come. Uh, I didn't play yeah. any Tyranids, sadly. So I didn't that, that would be that. The, it would be the Tyranid <laughs> and the Craftwell spec, right? If you, you don't want to get dunked Correct. on by, um, yeah. by Executioner or by Eldritch Storm. Eldritch Storm. Yeah. Or I will say, though, Dark Mirth was fun into Baharoth. Every time you <laughs> moved up, mortal wound. Potentially. That's sick. You know what I mean? Then he run away, so I could like do little wounds to like him, just like over the course of the game. So this is still very useful. Yep. And then I, I took Void Raven Bombers, which just did a lot of mortal wounds to stuff. So it was good into the meta, but definitely not. I would, I repeat, not a seriously <laughs> competitive list. I in love my it. Opinion. Um, I love the idea of there still being depth in that book as well. Some things people yet to hide. Um, because I was looking at um uh, for the longest time, I was just looking at um um Drakari and being like. Point per wound, they can do some really silly stuff with Courts of the Archon, with Razor Wing Flock. You can just put points per wound. Um, yeah. Court is yeah, in my density. list, too, by the way, because it is the best point for point like wound. In they the still kill okay. They kill a lot less lot less good than I did against Armor Contempt, unfortunately. Um, Chris, uh, you want to tackle uh, best competitive archetype for Harlequins at the moment. Is it light? Is it dark? Is it Twilight? What's up? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it's Twilight. Um, I think, yeah, light, light's still really strong. The advance and shoot is a huge deal. Um, and the runaway strat is a huge deal. Um, it's, uh, you know, been a little bit nerfed with the, the shooting build being not quite as strong. And, um, the, uh, mirror architect when it, before it got nerfed was so ridiculous with the light ability to, um, be only hit on for ops up to 12. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still strong, but dark is really strong too. Um, now that the combat's more of a focus in the army, the extra AP is huge and the fight on death, um, is, is a really big deal too. Um, and you get, um, a bit of extra bonus to, to a character there, um, a nice ball of trait and relic, or at least one of them. Um, so I'm not sure which one's better, but I think, I think you're going to have still some void weavers. I think they still shoot very well. So probably... I'd be looking at a unit, one unit of three um, to 
um, you know, sometimes you just do their thing. Other times you want to um, move them out, shoot them, fire them, and fade them back. Um, you're going to have a bunch of troops in transports. Um, you're probably going to have that put in the future Farsi, uh, not Farsi, a troop master, and solitaire in there because you really want that um, great speed to reach out and touch things. Um, but but yeah, I don't I don't actually have the specifics um, down pat. Scary, what are your thoughts? I agree. I think um, it, it there's two main builds that I've seen based around dark or light. You know, with light, you still take a bunch of Void Weavers. You can still take them with dark. Um, but it really depends on how fast you want to be when you shoot. You know, because light can just kind of move um, and get every angle they need to shoot you. Whereas dark is just going to jump in and murder what they attack a lot of the times. So that's just in style of what style you want. Um but I do think dark is probably better into the current meta than light, personally. Um, yeah, I, I think that it has shifted to... I think I prefer dark over light, but I still think light is an easy contender. I think it's a pretty much of a muchness, depending on whether... It's pretty much what uh, Chris said, whether you want to take three voids or six. If, you, if you're happy with three, dark's fine. If you're going to go to six, I feel like you've, if you've invested enough, that light's probably better, right? Probably fair. Yeah. Um, Correct. All right, gents. Uh, time for me to say some just some silly anecdotal, big ass, big calls. Is Baharoth the best worst unit we've ever seen? Like the it's the worst model, um, the oldest model, and it's one of the best single model units we've ever had. It, how do you feel about that call? Well, uh, you clearly didn't play Sly Marble <laughs> when he, was he didn't have a model, did he? I don't, I don't, uh, maybe, I don't even remember. All I remember is he would jump out and throw the giant yeah. explosion that would, more than, yeah, would like kill pretty much anything. And it I, was I really think, yeah. fun. So I don't know, he's got, he's got some competition. <laughs> Chris, can you remember if there's any awful model units out there that's as good as Baharoth in the uh, history I, of the game? In a second, I don't think that Baharoth is that bad a model. It is an old one, but it's like, He's a lot better model than like Karandras or something. Um, it's true. I call him Mister Two. <laughs> How dare you! I love the Master I do like Scorpion. I have him ready to be painted soon because uh, apparently Phoenix Lords are pretty cool. I, mean, so I, I, them um, I, I haven't been playing for for long enough to sort of have like particularly competitive to have have those uh, comparisons. Um. I used, I do joke that Baharoth is Mr. Two Dimensions because he's not th the model isn't thick enough for him to be three a three dimensional <laughs> character because he's so flat. Um, also, a second big call at Baharoth, like in a world that has a sixty point Trajan Valoris, is it a testament to say the Baharoth is the best single model unit in the game? Sorry, a sixty point Trajan Valoris, like one hundred and sixty. Yeah, one hundred and sixty point Trajan Valoris, and Baharoth is still better. I think so. Trajan's amazing. Like he is ridiculous, but he doesn't have that same reach, the same ability to impact the game every single turn. Yeah, I mean, Baharoth can just go win you the game. Can just literally be like, oh yeah, this turn, I'm think I'm just going to win the game. I've got the right fate dice. Yep, going to shoot that one dead. Going to charge onto that objective. You're going to get a, a a four instead of an eight or a twelve, and the game's over. And like Trajan just can't seem, just doesn't do that. That is fair. Um, Baharoth, Trajan though, Trajan. It's an interesting comparison because Baroth is a very toolkitty character, but Trajan like pulls 
the entire custodies that's, army together. That's true. So in terms of value, I would say Trajan is probably more valuable because you can like take Baroth, but you could get the same sort of result from like really? most Eldar units because they are all annoying. As it's true, they're all anything. annoying. I, mean, I, I think you're underestimating how ridiculous think, he is. Yeah, Baharoth. Yeah, I, I'm like. Oh, I've played. I've played again. I'm not like I'm. I'm not. I'm not sh- sugarcoating. I know he's annoying. I know he's like especially into like I play Dark Eldar, so I've got. I do have the speed to try and catch him, right? Um, in in some ways, and the ability to sort of screen out the table more than some armies do, but uh, but like Space Marines would have it field day. What I'm saying is, in terms of value to army, because like an an I cannot imagine a Custodes army without trade at all. But I can see an army without Baron. You're crazy. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so good Uh, at holding your own objectives in addition to other things. The thing that I... Well, exactly what Chris said. The only the biggest difference I say is that I can look back on a game as a Craftworld player and literally just look at the points Baharoth got me that game. He got me these points on primary, he got this secondary for me, he did this for me, he got these kills for me, and just be like, hey, this guy just literally got me 20 points in this game. Um, whereas with Trajan, he adds he adds like 20 points of value to the rest of your army, which is why I think Baharoth's better. Um but yeah, hey, look, the fact that we're even having a back and forth argument means it's not as cut and dry as I made out made it out to be. So there's something there, which They're I appreciate. Yeah. They're both nuts. Why, why why didn't they nerf Baharoth? Like they just in the FAQ, they're just like, ah, oh, he's actually that's just actually we, we just intended him for him to be absurd. It's, no, no, it's they fine. did they did nerf him. It's just it, you can't teleport twice anymore. Yay! <laughs> they cut one percent off his power. Exactly right. Him and and Swooping Horse should both have to go up. If they choose to go back into the sky, they should have to wait a turn before they come back down. Yeah, that would be better. Um, and then that then they are totally fine. Um, you know what else? Uh, we sh- they, we should definitely get a paycheck from Games Workshop because we have just we fixed Solved. the game. Everybody's fine. Game's fine. Um, but on that note, we will wrap up this episode, gentlemen. Um, give us your overall rating of if we were to if we had to put the the super factions in a freaking in a in a rating in a tier system for the super factions, which I'm going to start doing on these shows. Um, we've got so we've got Imperium, we've got Chaos, we've got Hive Mind, we've got um, Eldari, and we've got Space Marines, kind of their own thing. Um, I've kind of split. I started splitting them out into their own super faction because they're like twelve factions now. Um, where do you put Eldari? Like, you know, is are they are they S tier? Are they A tier? Are they B tier? Definitely S tier. Like they're up there. Like Eldari, they they can play the mission. They can kill your opponent, um, and they can tech into. They they have a tool for every occasion. I think that that's just it's just good. Chris, yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, I'd say right now they're the best or second best super faction in the game. It's just whether I'm, we're still waiting to see where Hive Mind is at. Right now, I'd say they're number one until Hive Mind proves that they're better. Um, if if they do or if they don't. All right. But on that note, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Sky. We're going to go over to part two and we're going to record and answer a bunch of listener questions. In addition, we're going to we're going to talk about the spicy tech that you need in your list to go into this new meta. What can Drakari do to get close to winning games versus Craft Worlds, versus uh, versus Tau, versus um, um, Tyranids, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. We're going to do the same for Harlequins and the same for. Um, Craftworlds into the mirror and the rest in addition. And uh, yeah, we're just going to talk anecdotally about the factions that these guys love. So, Chris, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Yeah, no worries. Uh, love and 
Skari, always an absolute pleasure, my man. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed the episode and see Come you over on and, part yes, two. Come over and that part two over on Patreon, The Art of War Down Under Over or theartofwar40k.com. Hope to see you there and thanks so much. Good night. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.